Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Like a Street Photography Collective. I'm your host, Ricky, and today I have a special guest, Mr. Craig Clark. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Good morning, Ricky. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, man. My pleasure. Uh, as Ricky said, my name is Craig Clark. I, uh, I currently live in Charles County, Maryland, Newburgh to be exact, uh, which is about an hour outside of Washington, D.C. I work in and around the D.C. area, which um, also happens to be the area that I mainly shoot. Yeah. I like I like your uh, your photos. A lot of uh, I hear stories of DC. I had a, a co-worker, I believe he said he was from DC. So, uh, and I used to watch uh, Dave Chappelle's early stand-ups when he <laughs> spoke about DC. So, your photos capture a little bit of everything they spoke about DC. I've never been there myself, um, but yes. I would love to visit. I love traveling and and just seeing new places. So that would be a place yeah. I'm definitely would love to visit. Let me know, man. I yeah, would yeah. Be more than happy to host you. That'd be great. I would love to. If I'm ever in the states again, uh, currently I'm in Okinawa, so quite a long distance away. But uh, we always move around, so that'd be fun. Um, so we. I, I just curious, how did you find um, my podcast? Because I got your message and it was really enlightening. I was like, oh, I do get some listeners. So, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. So, so ironically, uh, being that I do live in Charles County and, uh, and that I work in D.C. and in the area, man, I spend a lot of time in the car. And, uh, and so I guess, I guess I got my first Leica camera about – about a year, it was February of 2019, I think. Um, so like, you know, about a year and a half ago, something like that, a couple years ago. Um, and, and I've just been obsessed with Leica ever since. And, uh, and I listen to a lot of photography podcasts and probably once a month or so, I go into Apple podcasts and I just type in Leica as a search <laughs> term and, and lo and behold, like what I guess like three weeks ago maybe yeah. your your podcast came up and I was like oh my goodness you know like there's a like a photography podcast now and specifically about street photography and uh, and I was psyched man and uh, I listened to all the episodes I uh, heard your interview with Carlos heard the interview with Don Stevie yeah, uh, two great stuff, friends man. of mine they're, they're awesome absolutely so I do appreciate that <clears throat> like you um, I used to do the same you know, uh, uh, I'll get into more of the 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 Leica talk, like I was saying when we were have, exchanging our messages in Instagram. But I always have so many ideas, like things I want to set up. Um, but it takes it doesn't the setup part doesn't take time. I just I wanted to make sure there wasn't this platform out there already. So I was constantly searching, like you, like a like a like a, and, and I like you. I do listen to a lot of podcasts now. Which is Carlos's fault, if he's listening. He got me into <laughs> podcasts, which is it's not really a fault. It's it's really more of a benefit because now uh, I expand my horizons or whatever. But I would search every every time I come on, like a, 
Uh, I did find one. It was a pretty good podcast, uh, Like a New Day, uh, Zachary yes. Brannigan. Um, <clears throat> I exchanged message with him before. He's a really nice guy. If he's listening, uh, hello. He gave me a shout-out, so I'm giving him a shout-out. Um, we'll set something up, me and him, some other time. Uh, but, yeah, he was the first like a, like true like a podcast I find. And I, and I like his, his setup. Um, but... Uh, the the main difference between my podcast and his is mine is geared more towards street photographers and, mm-hmm. and but any any like a shooter you know you don't have to be just a street photographer this is really more for the like a community uh, so I was really like doing a lot of research to make sure this platform didn't exist and finally I'm like well I gave it enough time if someone's out there and it does exist they'll contact me and if I have to change the name I'll change the name but the platform's gonna be the same so. Um, pretty much, uh, it's a podcast for street photographers that use Leica cameras. It doesn't have to be an M. It could be Q, S, L, C, L, T, whatever. But it's just pretty much the brand. Because um, right. like you mentioned in our messages we, we began on Instagram is uh, Leica help capture your vision. Absolutely. And I felt the same way. I only shoot with M bodies. Uh, that was just something that I, I've never had the opportunity to shoot with any of the other you know uh, models but um, once I held my M I was like there's no need for me to switch but uh, so yeah tell me tell us about that Uh, I was curious to know more Um, and I think we got on that topics because I originally said I've shot every camera ran out there and I did uh, but you know I'm like you addicted to Leica so yeah 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 I have too man Um, so so going all the way back I guess I uh, I picked up my first camera and I, I was trying to remember this morning as I was looking over your notes. I think it was around 2003, and I I had a couple buddies from college who were into photography, and and I've always been a visual person. You know, as far back I can remember looking at magazines, looking newspapers you know my my parents used to get time magazine and just looking at like the ap photos and stuff and just i've always been drawn to that and so like i said i i I did a little bit of research and i went out and i bought a point and shoot (laughs) which which are totally (laughs) good i'm not i'm not even gonna name the brand (laughs) you can it's okay Uh, so so i bought a panasonic lumix point and shoot did it have a leica lens on the top on the front it it did did, did, there we go it did it counts and 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 so i get this point and shoot you know i'm super proud of it i think i got it at like a best buy or something Mm -hmm. and 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 i meet up with my buddies and they so they both have dl or the the DSLRs and and we go out and we go for a walk and we shoot a bunch of stuff and we come back and we're both you know the three of us are going over our photos and and I'm just noticing a difference between <laughs> between their photos and, and mine. your photos right and and so I quickly realized that they were able to control things on their cameras that I couldn't and and so luckily my 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 mom was a journalism school teacher and so I called her up and I'm like, you know, I got this camera. I really thought it was going to be great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so she's like, I tell you what, she was like, I've got, you know, a couple of old cameras. I'll, I'll let you borrow one. I think it was a Nikon D70, I think. And yeah, like six megapixels or something okay. like that. But, but I was able to change aperture and Your shutter speed and things like that. Manual and, 
Exactly. And, and so I shot with that camera. I got a, uh, at, at first I had a zoom, you know, I was so naive, man. Like at first I think I bought a Sigma lens, like a 70 to 300 or something. That was just horrible lens, you know, like everything was soft. It was, you know, it just, it, it just didn't, it, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but, but even before I understood how to make the camera take the pictures, I could see the pictures. Oh yeah. Your vision. I, I right. Vision. I just didn't know how to make my equipment do what I saw. And, and, and so I still wasn't there yet. So, so, you know, then I moved into prime lenses. I got the 50, I got the 35, you know, and, and I stuck with Nikon for a while and, uh, man, probably like close to 10 years. And, and so, uh, but, and, and off and on, you know, I was mainly doing landscape. I was living in, Richmond, Virginia, and there was some urban stuff, but, but I wouldn't say at the time I was in a street photography. <clears throat> and so, you know, I kind of floated in and out of it. And, um, and then I guess around 2016 or 17, I decided I kind of wanted to get serious and I wanted to get a full frame camera and I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And I, I was living in Virginia and there was a camera shop that had a Sony A7R used. I think it was like 800 bucks or something. And so I saw that as my opportunity to get into the full frame game. So so I switched from Nikon to Sony and and man it was a game changer like going from a crop sensor camera to a full frame camera and there were several Nikons in between, you know, obviously I didn't stick with the D70 the time. Um and and so it was cool, you know. I had the Sony A7R. I think I had the 50 millimeter 1.8, and I shot with that for maybe a year or so. And I worked really hard, saved up some money, and I went from that to a A7R3 and got a couple of Zeiss lenses. And then I moved up here, and 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 so you know, I was kind of happy with the kit, but but my wife hated it man because like I would go out and I would shoot right like like I just have it so I so I've got a wife and I've got three children and and I really try to be conscious not not to let my obsession with photography interfere with my my life with my family so 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 I keep these strange hours man and I get up at like 3 30 in the morning and I'll go to DC it's about an hour away and I try to do my thing and be home before anybody else is up so, so that my thing doesn't interfere with the, like the family life and, but the problem, you know, and, and, and this isn't a, a podcast to bash other camera brands or anything, but the problem was that I would come home and I would like spend all day editing the pictures, like again, trying to get them to look like what I, what my vision was. And, and, and so then, uh, you know, I've got this Instagram account. And I started looking at the Leica shooters and I was like, why is it that their pictures look like what I see? And cause you know, I've got this really nice full frame camera. I got good glass, you know, I got the whole setup, but I just can't do, you know, I can't make my pictures look like theirs look. And, and so I bit the bullet, man. And I sold all my Sony stuff and I got a used Q okay. uh, off of uh, Fred Miranda. I think it was. 
And, and man, I like, I remember coming home that day and going out in the front yard and my wife was like doing some yard work or something and just taking like one simple photo of her and looking at it and being, yeah. And being like, this is it. Like this, this is, this is it. And, uh, and so since then I've had a Q, I had a QP and, um, man, this is a whole nother story, but, but in DC during all the the protest and all that stuff, my car was broken into and uh, yeah, and my gear was stolen. And, uh, and luckily, man, if, if there's, <laughs> and this is another story too, but if there's one thing I can say, man, get insurance on oh, your yeah. camera. I, I'm, my get, like is our insurance. For, for all the people listening, stop talking about it, go get insurance. Yeah. Um, because I had insurance. And so I was able to, uh, to replace the camera that got stolen. And so now I have a Q2, um, and along the way I picked up a Q2 monochrome. So, so I have a Q2 and a Q2 monochrome and, and I love it, man. I, I, I got them right here. I take them everywhere I go. Yeah. So, uh, I do love the story and I love how you wake up so early to go enjoy photography it's not very often it's honestly the first time i've heard something like that most times especially with me when when i had my family i always struggled to find that that time so i never thought of that like that but i guess the locations i've been there's nothing happening in those hours so uh it's probably why i i didn't do that but that was that would be something i would definitely look into if that road ever approaches me soon or in the future uh, but like you, I've I shared the same journey into Leica. Uh, and my story is when I first started photography, my first um, camera was also a point and shoot, but I had an Olympus. Um, and, and I didn't know anything about photography. I just read um, what got me really interested was HDR photos. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this was back in early 2000s, so that was when they were like super saturated, overcooked, clarity sliders slid all the way, uh, and the, the, the genre wasn't really developed. It was becoming a new thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I really got, I was just hooked on the look, so I bought a point and shoot, and I didn't really, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know aperture, ISO, shutter speed, or anything like that. I just grabbed the camera and push the shutter button, and it, it should make the HDR. Um, fast forward many YouTube videos later, I was like, this camera doesn't capture raw photos. I didn't even know what a raw was. Again, watch right. more. And I was like, well, now I need a camera with raw. But I wasn't serious about photography like that, so I didn't do it. Um, I met some photographers and then that's when I got hooked on photography because I seen them for like a, a true photographer, how they work with the camera. And they were shooting with Canon 5D2s. This was how far in the past it was. And I was like, man, what are they doing? It just it just looks so great. I grew up <clears throat> an artist uh, at a very young age, you know, drawing, painting, and I always like artistic things. So uh, when when I saw that, I guess it connected with me somehow. And I was like, now I need to go buy one of those kind of cameras. Back then, couldn't afford any, just any camera. So I did some research, looking into them, and I found my first camera was a Nikon D300. Not D300, okay. yeah. D3000, the, yeah, the little baby entry level. 
and I got it for like $200. So I got that and I was always the person when when I felt like I mastered something, I need to move on to the next thing. So I went from the D3000 to the D90, the D3000, the D7000. And then like you, I was like, I need full frame. I didn't know why I needed full frame. Yeah, I just, me either. I, I needed full I frame. So, uh, yeah, I, I saved up all the money I could. I sold what I was able to, by keep, but keeping some cameras, you know, I couldn't be without a camera. So uh, I switched at an early point in my life from Nikon to Canon. And the reason was, uh, I guess this is a band brashing, but I, I don't like Nikon's colors. Their digital cameras suck. So uh, I apologize for any Nikon shooters out there. This is not a shot at you. This is just my personal opinion. Nikon colors suck. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've literally shot every brand out there. So uh, I decided to sell all the Nikon because I got my first Canon. The Canon was overperforming, and I was like, that's all I need. Uh, got into heavy. I was the guy I was traveling with the backpack with every single lens I owned. And yeah. uh, there was the weight. <laughs> I had a, a daughter, so I had to carry my big, heavy, full-frame camera with a battery grip and an extra-long lens and my daughter in one arm and my backpack with all my camera gear. I was exhausted. So I decided to um, sell my cameras again and downsize into mirrorless, which was Fujifilm. And I loved Fujifilm. I have no problems with Fujifilm, except they're not Leica. Uh, when I first met my... Would like it was actually an M3, so it was the film. I couldn't afford a digital. And uh, I got to the point where I just kept shooting film, and I was like, man, I'm really loving the feel of the M. And I had a lot of money invested in Fujifilm, so I was like, I can sell this and move into digital. So I did. I, I uh, sold some of my Fujifilm stuff. And I got my first M10M. No, it was the M10P. That was my first digital Leica. And shooting that, I was like, I forgot every other brand that I've shot with. There's no point. Um, so I do, I can connect with you how you sell. Like, Leica just captures your image, truly. And and I think, for me, uh, I've never used a Q, so I don't I don't know that, like how you, you do your settings, but... Uh, I think, and I'm, I know I know the Q has manual. I only shoot manual now. Um, it, and it was something I used to shoot aperture priority, and it wasn't because I didn't know how to use manual settings. It was just because when I shoot street photography, I'm fast, so I, I'll just keep it on aperture I want, and just and I'm shooting. Um, but I think shooting M, you you have to be manual everything, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what it was that was I was able to capture. But it's more of how the system's built that helps you capture your vision. You know, the rangefinder, how you see it. You know, it's not automated where I just can't be like, take a, a million pictures of in one little location. Uh, I really invest time. And I, I think that comes more from shooting film uh, because, you know, have you shot film before? Uh, I shot film a very little bit, like back 
in high school. I was on the yearbook. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm giving away my age, right? Like (laughs) we had these 35 millimeter film cameras in high school and we had uh, like our own dark room and everything. And, uh, and, And so I shot a little bit of film in high school. And so, so yes, to answer your question, I, I, okay. I have shot film. Ha- however, not since then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've, sh- I've been shooting digital pretty much my entire photography career, but uh, I started shooting film about four or five years ago. Um, and, and I can attribute this to film as uh, I don't shoot as much as I did with, with the digital because, like I said, I just walk around and I can hold the shutter button down and I can take a million pictures. But when I have film, now I really have to put all my thought and my focus into one shot. And and I attribute that to the Leica, you know, because when I had the M3 and the M6, I was like, okay, do I really want to take this picture? Is it going to be worth it? And I compose and I'm really looking at it. No, I don't think it would be good. So that mentality from shooting film carried into the digital end body so now i'm like a little more cognizant of what i want to shoot um and again it's, it's all thanks to Leica. so yeah thank yeah. you Leica. i appreciate it <laughs> so i'm curious do you develop your own film uh i do um i have i i don't currently now and that's only because uh the cost of the chemicals and to get them to where i'm stationed in okinawa um but when i was in england and my brief earlier years back here in Okinawa from the leftover chemicals, I do develop. A lot of people think you need a, a dark room. You really don't. That's what I thought. You just need a little change bag. It, yeah. You got to do everything by feel. So if you're going to develop some really good rolls of Portra 800, don't do it <laughs> your first time. You will mess it up. Right. Uh, that was something I didn't learn because just watching YouTube videos. YouTube is pretty much... Worldwide University for free. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Day, shout out to you. Uh, he doesn't know who I am, but I found his video and he showed us how to, you know, develop film. Um, the change bag, it's kind of weird because you have to do everything by film. It's a blacked out bag and you just put it in the wheels. So, yeah, it's like a little bag. You can order that on Amazon. And then the light proof tanks. Um, and then you just, you're at home shaking it. And agitating. Right. Uh, I've never converted my film to paper, which is something you do need the darkroom for. Uh, I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, I've just I got a scanner. It's a really expensive Epson scanner, so I just scan all my film and digitize it. Keep the look. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, that's my story of I stopped recording accidentally trying to grab my Apple Pen. Uh, but so that's my story going into Leica, digital Leicas, and and we shared the same feeling. Um, but when did you start shooting street photography? So, so essentially, when I got my first, so I'll back up a little bit. So, <laughs> so I tried shooting street photography with the Sony. Mm-hmm. And and so I'd say uh, 2019-ish, you know, a few months before I got my Leica, I was kind of dabbling and like just, just walking the streets. It, you know, I, I think I heard you and Carlos talking about it. At first, you know, you, you try all the like 
clandestine techniques. You know, you see someone with a, a trench coat or something on the other corner of the street. And, and as you cross paths in the crosswalk, you try to sneak a picture, you know, and, 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 and like, I think that's street photography, right? I'm like, yeah, do yeah. street photography. Uh, <laughs> I call those the cliche and, shots. Cause that's yeah, how you see on Instagram and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's it, no, 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 no. But, but so I, so I tried doing that with the Sony and, uh, and it's just like the like the so so I the main reason I don't shoot M is that I'm a little bit intimidated by manual focus. As you can see, I wear corrective lenses, mm-hmm. and and to further complicate that, I'm I'm right-handed, but, but I focus with my left eye. Um, Your left eye dominant. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 It's kind of weird, right? Oh, and, no worries. So, it, so it's funny. A funny story about about being left eye dominant. When I got that first Nikon, the D seventy, right? I don't know if you remember those cameras, but but it had the little wheel on it where you yeah. could move the focal point around. Yeah. Well, so when I first start shooting, you know, I didn't know anything about a DSLR, and so I I put my face up to it, and do my nose, nose kept moving. <laughs> And, and and so every picture I would take, only the far left side of the picture would be in focus. And I was like, something is wrong with my camera, man. Like, it only focuses on the left side. And it took me like a week or two to figure out it was my nose that was pressing the, the button. button. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So so anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so so then I got to Q, and it, it just so happened that I got my first Leica when all of the crazy stuff kind of started popping off in D.C. Um, you know, uh, there, there were the protests, there were all these Trump rallies, um, the election happened and COVID hit and there was just all this stuff going on. And, and I finally had the tool that lined up with my vision to capture those things. And, uh, and I did the same thing when I first got to Q. I, I, I would do the run and gun thing, you know, and just kind of hold it to my chest like this and mm-hmm. walk down the sidewalk and, you know, so, yeah, exactly <laughs> like, like, like I've only never, I can't say it. Well, I did do that just because when I was learning street photography, my, my mentor, that's how he would shoot a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to learn it, but that's something I could never do. Um, I'm not scared to take a picture of somebody just there's techniques like in one of my previous podcasts. I would say recommend uh, recommend watching a YouTube video. On there's some pretty good videos on how to make it look like you're not taking the pictures. And when you develop your own way, uh, it's it's super simple. So uh, I've only ever had one person in this very small town of Barry St. Edmonds approach me and ask me to delete a photo I took of him. Um, and I've been shooting street photography since about late 2017 so i think i'm on a pretty good track record on that um but yeah i, <laughs> Man, I, I, didn't, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt but i'm just saying no, you no, shouldn't no, be no. scared don't be afraid to take pictures you know i mean if that's the look because i know when you shoot from those angles you get a certain look just and that's just because of and i learned this in school the way the lens is and the angle of the lens the height it all alters the images in different yeah. ways so yeah. like well especially with the 28 right you yeah know, 28 is on the wide side so so if you're down and you're shooting upward towards your subject you're going to get distortion mm-hmm. and yeah it's going to look different right um yeah. but so so i did that for a while and it's really interesting it, it kind of so 
so man, I, I've been screamed at, I've been chased down the street, you know, <laughs> I've been threatened. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny in DC, but, but anyway, I, yeah, I got thick skin, so whatever. Okay. Um, and, and so it's funny though, because that, like I would say my hit ratio shooting from the hip and like shooting from the chest or whatever with the 24 megapixel cube, it was pretty good, man. Like I would come home and like flip through my memory card and most of the pictures I wanted, I got. And, and then I had, as I was talking about the unfortunate incident where, where my gear was stolen and, and I don't know, I've talked to other people about it. I don't know if it's the difference in the megapixels or what, but, but the Q2 more often than not, it seems like if I try to use autofocus and and kind of shoot blind like that, it back focuses. Like like I'll see somebody crossing and 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 I I typically don't chimp and, and I keep the review off. I don't look at my pictures until I get home usually. Um, and I'll get home and like the back would be in focus and my subject would be blurry. Okay. And and so I was forced. Basically, I got tired of missing, you know, because I like I said, I got a family. I don't have a whole lot of time to shoot, and I definitely don't want that time wasted. Uh, so so I was forced to start engaging with my subjects because I, you know, like I said, I don't like missing. Uh, mm-hmm. So so I've kind of shifted into street portraits i guess you oh, would yeah. say i, I noticed where, and i was gonna ask you that later yeah yeah so 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 now i uh i talk to people you know i i i, I pound the streets and and i see somebody interesting and and i just start talking to them and and normally yeah i might talk to someone a half an hour and, and yeah. then kind of as we're wrapping up the conversation i'll say you know hey do you mind if i make a picture and and they either say yes or they say no. Uh, and, you know, uh, I would say more times than not, they say yes. And I take a picture and, and then I move on. Um, yeah. So so it's kind of funny. I, I, I was listening to your rules in, in one of your previous podcasts about like, uh, I think you said you don't take a picture of homeless people. You don't take pictures of children. Um, yeah. And... You don't take pictures of people with their cell phones, right? Yeah, correct. Um, so, so like one of my things now, like this rule I've kind of set for myself, is that if I look back over my page, like I in twenty twenty one, very seldom have I taken a picture of someone that I don't know their name and their story. Okay. Uh, so, so you know, I, sometimes that that person might be without a permanent residence. Uh, it just, I'm not even, you know, that's not, I don't take pictures that try to exploit someone's misfortune or moment of jeopardy or something like that. You know, I think that's not a responsible thing to do with a camera. Uh, however, somebody's got an interesting story. They're a, a nice person. We kind of vibe together, you know, I'll get a picture and document the moment. So I, I would say, um, that since you brought up the rules, um, your your the way you shoot would probably be the exception to the rule on, on how I shoot. Um, mm-hmm. So, like you said, you stop and you engage with your your subjects, which is which is I consider a lost art. Not too many people do that, and I think that's you know some why it's intimidating. People uh, are afraid of what's the word. Um, 
I'll think of the word, but I don't want to stop. But uh, so yeah, people are afraid to of like altercations, I guess, and they don't want to create a problem. They don't want to fight because you know they know the repercussions. So that's probably what they're afraid of when they're taking pictures of strangers. But I I don't take pictures of the homeless and the children because I don't stop to talk to them. Uh, and like you, I don't want to exploit their misfortunes, you know. So that's that was why I said those are my rules because of my particular style. Uh, but since since you you know you've explained how you shoot, you engage with them. That's more of a different style because now you're intimate with your subject, you know them, and you know their story. Um, so me, I, I love your your style the street portraiture and i would just actually classify as more like a journalism documentary style photography uh street foot street folk portraits most definitely uh but i would you know classify it further even more uh, but you connect with them so well and you said it earlier is you, sh- you shoot with the uh, the q2 monochrome mm-hmm. um so I, I do. I love the black and white looks. So especially oh, those portraits in black and white, it creates a, a bigger, uh, impactful story. Then this is just me, how I see it. So, uh, but yes, uh, great man, work. It, uh, I like how you connect with your subjects. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Man, I, I, so, so I was going to ask you about that earlier, if you had the same experience that I did, because like, man, when I look at some of the black and white photos, it almost like gives me butterflies in my stomach. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I get this, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. And, 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 and the, the images captured with the M10 monochrome and the Q2 monochrome. And, and I think there's an original M maybe 246 monochrome or yeah, 240 there's, monochrome. There's two, uh, there's the M, <clears throat> the M monochrome, which I believe was the M9. And then mm-hmm. there's a 246, mm-hmm. uh, the M10 M. And then the Q2M. So they look different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I remember when I, I, I first, in fact, the picture that, that you chose that you sent me and we'll talk about it in a little while was one of the first pictures I took with the monochrome. And I remember taking the pictures and coming home and looking at them. And, and I think to the listeners, I don't think that, that you and I are probably going to be unique in this situation. I remember thinking, you know, like, where's the contrast? Mm-hmm. Like, the picture looks kind of dull and flat. And and what didn't click with me at the time is that these monochrome sensors, like, they truly capture everything from black to white and and all the grays in between. And, 17,000 and, shades of gray. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and so I was so used, you know, I hate it, but like um, I, I was so used to these super contrasty black and whites on Instagram and all the mm-hmm. social media. And I was like, where's the contrast? And and at first I, I, I didn't understand it. I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, man, I really look forward to this camera and, and like I'm taking these images and they're just – but over time, man, I barely edit my pictures anymore. Yeah. Like, I love that grayscale. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the same. Uh, so when I've, I've, like the M10 Man is truly, honestly, there's very, I think Leica is the only brand that only creates black and white, you know, um, I said all my words are, it's probably too early, but um Black and white only cameras, their sensors, you know, truly that's the only, they're the only brand that does that. Um, so 
my beginning phases of shooting black and white, it was always shooting color, converting it to black and white. Uh, but switching to the M10M, I, I know exactly what you mean. And it's it was difficult at first because, like you said, you, you look at it. Like I, I still love the black and white. I never had no gripes with the M10M. I just had to learn how it works. And right. uh, one thing I will tell you is once you go full white, any of the highlights, your images, whatever details in there is lost. You, you'll never get those back. And, and it's okay. It just made me learn on how to, to keep my settings on my on the camera. So I always shoot at least either with with my little LED light in the circle, uh, perfectly lined up, or a half stop to one stop underexposed. And that's so I can maintain some of the details and the highlights because there was times where I've shot a really good picture and I was like, oh, this is it. I got it. And then I look and then it's overexposed. I have to trash it because I couldn't recover anything. But and so I do know what you mean. Like when you when you convert, you're like, where's all the contrast? But I think it's more because shooting from color sensors and then converting them, it still has like all that information. Uh, but it is truly an art to shoot with dedicated. That's what I wanted to say. Black and white dedicated sensors. So like you got the Q2M, I got the M10M. It's it's more challenging because now you have to really think about how you're going to capture this image to maintain all the details. Because like you said, it's all the way from full black to full white. And if you want a perfect image with that sensor, you have to know where the settings that you want to capture that. Yeah. So it, yeah. It's, a, it's a challenge. Uh, I've been shooting black and white um, for about two years. Uh, I, I only shoot color because I have the M10P. I only shoot color of my daughter. So okay. that's it. That That's the only time I really capture color. Anything else? I don't, I don't really, I don't care for it. Uh, and and that's something in itself. I was talking with with uh, Don Stevie about that. He says that's that's an art, and and I agree. Um, try to to make a beautiful sunset in black and white. <laughs> make it look as good as uh, a colored photo. So if yeah, you, if you yeah. can do it, you're the master. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> I'm still trying to perfect that one. Yeah, man. The uh, the the Q2 is an amazing camera, and I rarely use it. You know, I, I shoot, in fact, I took a, I took a picture with it this morning and posted it on Instagram. First color picture I'd taken in a while. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I go for the Q2 monochrome every time. There's just something about it. I, I don't know. Oh. So I, I wanted to ask you before I forgot because, uh, how you were, you were talking about, you, you approach your, your subjects and then you ask them to take their photo. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, Everybody Street? I have not. You should definitely watch it. Uh, my mentor okay. introduced it to me. Um, it's a documentary about street photographers. And there's a street photographer. His name is Joel Shabazz, I believe. Um, probably, I'm getting the guy's name wrong. But when you see the video uh, and it gets to his portion, you'll know exactly what I mean because he's like, he does the same thing. He, he always asks before he takes a photo. Mm-hmm. So when you were saying you asked them now because when you engage, I was like, oh, like the other person. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. And then to all my listeners, uh, everybody street, great street photography movie. I watch it every so often. I got it on my iPad. It's like the only movie I own. (laughs) 
Nice. All right. So now we'll get to the photo I picked. Uh, and you already gave us some back brief, but I'll, I'll ask a little more questions about it is, um, do you remember taking this photo? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Yep. So for the listeners out there, uh, on, I forgot to plug your Instagram. Uh, this is on his Instagram account. Uh, you can plug your, your account yeah, now. So it's Craig, C-R-A-I-G underscore underscore Clark, C-L-A-R-K. Yeah. Definitely go give him some likes and follows. Uh, but the image I picked was of a person. He's standing down and he he shot him just right because it's just the lower portion of his body. And he seems to be wearing two pairs of <laughs> jeans and some Jordans, some Concords. And the second pair of jeans are over the first pair of jeans, which are I'm not making this up. They're at his ankles. <laughs> so uh, I don't know today's fashion standards. Um, that is not in mine. But I love this image. It's not only because it's black and white, because you got the line, you got the leading line. Um, you got some nice background with the shapes and the geometry. But then you got the subject right there. Um, and it's the yeah. mystery because you don't see the whole person. So do you remember taking this photo? I, I absolutely do. And uh, so this is, so you've never been to D.C., but, but for all my fellow DMV photographers, this is right by the, the Navy Yard on M Street, which is, um, well, D.C. in its entirety is a pretty interesting place, right? And, uh, and this was early in the morning, and <laughs> I was driving down M Street, and I see this guy. And, and this is how it happens, right? I see this guy and I'm like, is that guy with his pants down? And, and so, you know, I do the double take and I'm like, no, you know, he has two pairs of pants on. Um, and, and so I pull the car over. I think I pulled over in like a bus lane or something and turned my hazard lights on and, and got out. And, and so, you know, I kind of, I kind of, so, so I have several different techniques as far as how I approach people. Um, it kind of differs on what, off what kind of vibe they're getting. <laughs> in fact, I like I've even gone as far. I was laughing with my wife about it this morning, and she said it's creepy. But I've even gone as far to like sometimes I'll pretend like I'm a tourist and like ask people for directions, like just to start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> hey man, exactly, exactly. And and so this guy, uh, I think I offered him a cigarette. If I remember, those are also a great conversation starter. Um, unfortunately, I, I I do smoke cigarettes, but it means I always have them on me. And uh, and so I, I it, like I said, if memory serves correct, I asked this guy if he wanted a cigarette, and uh, and he did. And so you know, I gave him a cigarette, and then I I kind of asked him what was going on with his outfit, and uh, and he was like, you know, he. I, he didn't have much of an explanation, but uh, I asked him if I could get a picture of him, and he said yes, and and I fired this one off. I think I got like three pictures, and 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 this was the best one. So, yeah, I, yeah, I do like it. Gonna... <laughs> it captures everything you said. Uh, when if anybody sees it, it, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. It's just when you see it, you, you got to take a picture of it. I would. I've done the same. Um, but the way I shoot, I would I would just shot and not even ask. But uh, which is which is really funny because um, people always ask me like like people ever say anything about you taking their pictures? And something I learned from the YouTube videos is 
99% of the time, people don't even know you're taking their pictures. Right. You know, if you don't make it blatantly obvious, you know, in, in my style, how I shoot, it's not blatantly obvious. And they'll never know. So yeah. uh, that's yeah. what that was part of my rules is, you know, don't be afraid to take pictures. Um, but I, I guess that's why people contribute to doing the. And I've seen people do it in London where they got their, oh, I just got to like us. And now I got to do street photography. But they're scared to take pictures of people. So they hold it to the <laughs> chest like this. Uh, and you can't see me in the podcast, but I'm literally like holding a Leica camera to my chest and they're looking away and kind of moving the position where they think they got it. And then shot and then walk off really fast. Uh, just don't don't be afraid to do it. Uh, what worst comes to worst, they ask you to delete the camera or the picture. If you're shooting film, then they're out of luck. So, but yeah, so great photo. I do love it. I, I do love uh, a lot of your images. They captured that that everyday grit, especially in the DC from the stories I've heard. So yes, great work, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Man, I was, I'll tell you one. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, um, if you had a favorite street photographer. Yes, I do. Uh, I do. In fact, uh, so so I'm not like well studied on street photography or anything like that. I do have a copy of The Americans uh, by Robert, Robert Frank. Frank. I've, got, I've got Sidewalk uh, by Frank Horvath. But, but my favorite street photographer, to be honest, and, and the whole reason that I bought a Leica is a guy named Patrick Stevens. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you follow his Instagram. Uh, this is the first time I've heard of him, but see, networking. No, I just heard of yeah. Patrick Stevens, and I'll, so, we'll give him a look. So his handle is always chasing daylight. Chasing daylight. This is a plug for you, Mr. Patrick Stevens and I'm gonna go look at you as soon as I'm done here yeah so so anyway so man I it, it's almost like I can think of a handful and 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 I actually talked to Patrick I, I would consider him a friend of mine um, but his pictures man they there's just something about him it's just it it, it gives me that thing I was talking about you know um, in the gut. he's he's definitely my favorite and and I tell you one other person I, that I really like who's also a like a shooter uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right because he's a French photographer but his first name is Alan but it's spelled a l a i n and his last name is La Boyle um, and I've never heard of and, either. And he, man, so the, he, so it's really interesting. He only takes pictures of his family, and he lives like on a farm in France. But they're the most incredible pictures ever. Mm-hmm. Like it's like they're it's Leica. Oh yeah. Like when I think of Leica, I think of those two guys. Capturing your vision. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, yep. All right. So, uh, how do you look for your next photo? Um, so we heard the the part where you like to approach your subjects. Is there um, an, a moment where you're just walking and you're like, you plan out your next photo? Sometimes. Um, so so it's funny. I heard you saying like how you like to keep a hundred photos on your Instagram feed, yes. um, and and so. 
when I first started doing street, I, I would put all this pressure on myself that I had to post a picture every day, had to post a picture every day. So, so I would try to try to take a picture every day mm-hmm. and, and normally I do, I'm pretty good about getting at least one photo a day. And, and normally my approach is, you know, uh, I, I'll get off of work and, and I may go for a walk in the city for maybe a half an hour, maybe an hour. And I just wait for that, that thing to pop out of me, you know, uh, sometimes, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like now that I shoot with the monochrome, sometimes it's just a wall where there, there may be a weird sliver of light. Mm-hmm. And so I'll kind of camp out and like wait for somebody to walk through and the angle's cool. Fish. And, uh, yeah, see, I, I'm more of a hunter than a fisher because okay. I don't have a lot of patience, Ricky. <laughs> like <laughs> no, I can't. That's I, something I, I, that that took me a while to to learn, but um, just to stay in one spot because, like like you said, I like to move around because mm. I feel the same way. Like when I feel like I'm not moving, I feel like I'm missing the shot. However, when you're fishing, you're also losing the shot. So, like you said, you found the light. Uh, you got to make sacrifices in street photography. And if you got to sacrifice hunting for fishing, I would say do it. Because like I said in my previous podcast, if you're patient enough, it will definitely the exact image you have in your mind will appear right in front of you. It's just a matter of time. But I didn't mean to interrupt. So I apologize. No, 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 no. No, so. no and, and so sometimes it's that, you know, sometimes I, I, I see the frame. And I just got to wait for the right element to enter the frame. Mm-hmm. And then other times it's DC, man. I'll just see some crazy person, <laughs> crazy looking, some, somebody who you know has a story. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I'll approach them and, and then we'll go from there. You know, I'll get a street portrait or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they got some cool shoes on or, or, or maybe their hands look interesting, you know, or something like that. And, you know, and then, I'll pack it up and go home. I've noticed you are drawn to hands. Um, you capture a lot of hands. Uh, hands are obviously a very powerful tool for everybody. Uh, and you get different stories just by looking at different people's hands. Uh, yeah. As I was scrolling through your images on Instagram, I noticed a multitude of hands. Um, so I was going to, it was really funny you said that, but I was going to dub you the story hunter. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. No, it's really cool. I, I like the approach. Well, hands definitely tell stories, man. Hands are kind of like, you know, the wrinkles in people's faces and things like that. Like, I think that, uh, I think you can look at somebody's hands and have a pretty decent idea of what kind of life they live. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked Carlos before, and I didn't ask, I didn't get a chance to ask Don Stevie. I apologize, Don. Um, but have you ever had that? Oh shit! I missed my photo moment. <clears throat> oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one instance in, in particular comes to mind. Uh, I was, it was one afternoon, and I was driving through DC, and I think it's on Independence. There's these uh, the, these kind of archways that go over the street, and there are these three nuns that were crossing the street and and I thought about stopping and then didn't stop and I always think back to that scene and wish that I had taken that picture um 
so that's kind of a big one. However, that being said, I uh, and I think Carlos had, had had a similar story. You know, the the manner that we shoot, I don't have a lot of time with people, and and they're not getting paid. I'm not getting paid, and I try to respect and value their time. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times if I'm following up a conversation. And, and I say, hey, do you mind if I take a photo? <clears throat> like I said before, I don't usually look back over the pictures. And so I can't, you know, hold the person hostage and be like, wait a minute, look that way, you know, or do this or, or, or do this. And, and so sometimes I get home and I don't have a good picture. Like there, there have been times where I might be down in the metro and I got my settings one way and then I come up top, you know, and it's daylight and then I take a picture and, and like I look at it when I get home and the guy's so blown out. Like, yeah, overexposed. You know, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I had a, an ironic moment a couple of weeks ago um, when I was talking to Carlos and he was telling me about his settings in the subway. I, I spoke too soon because I told him, oh, I'm always make sure I, I have my settings every time I go somewhere. And I was in Tokyo a few weeks ago and uh, I was in a building. So I set my settings for the building. Again, I'm moving so fast. I didn't think about it. I got outside and I started shooting. I got maybe about like 10 shots in. Uh, and for me, that's a lot of shots because like I said, I don't really stay in one spot. So I started. I got to a point where I was waiting for a crosswalk, so I said, let me see what I got. Um, I looked down, and all those shots were completely blown out. So I was like, Carlos! (laughs) Have you ever watched uh, Seinfeld? Yes. So you know whenever they say, Newman! Yeah, 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 exactly. I gave Carlos a Newman moment. Carlos! (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so it does happen. Even if you think you're perfect, I guarantee you you're not. Um, not you particularly. That's just a general right, statement. Right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I I never say I'm perfect. Um, I mean, Mr. Don Stevie said the same thing. We're all amateurs in our own mind. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you could choose to shoot anywhere in the world, where would it be? Mm. Man, that's so hard. Um, and and it's a, I I've been thinking about this question all day. To, to, uh, it's it, so it's complicated because, like I said, soon after I started doing street style photography, COVID hit. Yeah. So so I was thinking about like like my favorite place to to shoot street. Really, <clears throat> the only place that I've shot street is around the D.C. area. Uh, some in Richmond, Virginia, Washington D.C., and kind of the 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 areas around there. Um, I, I've been to New York a lot of times, however, I've not, you know, I've not done the photography thing there, so I'd love to go to New York, but, uh, but I'd also like to go to the West Coast, um, it, it, like, like Patrick's stuff, man, the mm-hmm. light on the West Coast is just different, um, and, and, and so there's that, but, but the plan, and this is probably going to sound random, man, but the place that, like, really draws me is Las Vegas. Okay. Because I've heard, and, and I've been to Vegas once, but if you if you're in Las Vegas, you, you obviously have Las Vegas, you know, and the Strip and the Old Strip and all that stuff. 
but all within like a three hour radius of Vegas, you know, you've got desert, you've got water, you know, you have all these different kind of things that, that you can take pictures of. So it's kind of like I, I've heard it called the best place for photography in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, just because you have all those things around you. I would say Vegas makes sense, though, because, you know, of it's a location where uh, obviously there's the, the locals. And, and I say locals, I mean the people that actually live in Las Vegas. But it's a destination where people from all over the United States congregate. So you definitely get different looks. Um, all your locations you mentioned make sense. Uh, what I will say is, and I learned this from traveling with my work, is don't be afraid to go to locations that don't make sense. And what I mean by that is... Uh, again, I'm stationed in Okinawa. It's a very small island. So the largest city here is Naha, and that's uh, it's south of where I'm at. Um, but you don't get the, the traditional city vibes, you know what I'm saying? So uh, street photography is just a name. It could be farm street photography, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. So go out. And, you know, there's no really set rules on how you capture the photos the point is just to capture them so go to the farms like you said the person you mentioned who lives on the farm and only takes pictures of his person or his family. oh man when you see his stuff you'll be blown away it's like what he can do and in that area is just incredible yeah so i i do like me personally i'm a city i'm a city person i'm a city boy i was born and raised in chicago in the city not in the suburbs so if anyone's listening and they're gonna say oh is he from the city or is he i'm from the city uh, about 10 minutes away from downtown um, and that you know just people from Chicago know what that means uh, but so it's really hard for me because I have that city image in my head when I go to a place that's not so urban and I'm like oh man like how am I going to shoot here it took me a while to learn how to shoot in an Okinawa um, but you can capture great images anywhere um, so yeah, don't like if you're passing by and it seems like you always travel with your cue, uh, just keep it in and, and ready. Like I said, I keep mine's ready and, and pop, shoot one off, pop, shoot one off. Uh, yeah. That just brought uh, uh, something I wanted to mention is because you said you were intimidated by M bodies because of the focusing. Right. M body focusing is designed for zone focusing, and I believe your cue has zone focusing you, you have the 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 marks on the top of your lens Six, yeah the yeah aperture marks the depth of field scale yep yep, yep. I, I would say if you if you're really interested in converting to a M body test it out on your cube because you already got the cue you got the lens um and all you do is are you familiar with how zone focusing works I am, I am, and, and, and I've gotten to the point where maybe like 25% of the time mm-hmm. I shoot manual. Yep, there you go. Zone Just focus? To, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. No, 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 I was going to say just to kind of see what I can do with it. Mm-hmm. And 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 you as an experienced M user can tell me if this, if this works or not, but like what I'll do is I get out of the car and I'll pick a, like I'll stand in front of a wall approximately however far I think I might be from most of the subjects Mm -hmm. and then I'll focus on that wall and and it's usually like two meters Mm -hmm. like right around the two meter mark on on the aperture scale and then I'll just roll 
Yep. You know, and, and take pictures at that zone. I think that's how all zone focusing begins is because you want to learn. Like if you never shot zone focus before, you want to learn how it works. So I've done the same thing. I'd, I'd pick a spot. And how I learned how to count it was so I'd, I'd pick what I wanted at a distance. And then I look to see on the scale just to see the range. But then once I got like the distance and on my lens, I would count my steps because mm. how I shoot is I'm walking or they're walking towards me. Mm. So I would count my steps to whatever I focused on. So, for example, if I focused on three meters away, it was approximately three to four steps. So now mm. I know if I zone focus my critical point on three my subject is going to be in focus about three or four steps away. And because of the zone, I got a little space in front and a little space behind. So I know um, that's why I love zone focusing. I don't even have to set it. Well, now I'm working on muscle memory zone focus. Uh, are you familiar with that? Yeah. 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 Like, so, like how far you've turned the, the focus ring? Yep. So I got the tab on the bottom. And then depending on the angle of the lens, it should be it should line up with the, the distance scale. So I'm pretty good with that on my 50 millimeter Summicron because it's such a, it's a small, you know, depth of field on there. So I, oh, there it is. And I look and I got it most of the time. So I'm working on that technique. But practice it with your Q2. Uh, right. Set it up, get your zone, um, and then that way, if you really like, you oh, I need to switch to an M body. Uh, that would probably introduce you to how the lenses would work, uh, and you won't really have to worry about critical focus unless you're doing a a, a, a portrait of someone, because uh, you got your zone. All you would have to do is just make sure you got your frame and everything's in there. You could look through your left eye because your left eye dominant. I remember, and shoot it off. So that's what I do. I got my zone. I look. It's in my frame, and I fire. Pretty fast. Everything happens so fast. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna start doing a new segment towards the end of the podcast, um, like questions and answers, um, where you can ask me questions, and I'll ask you questions. But my biggest one is, and I've been wanting to ask, but uh, so first disclaimer, uh, this is not a political podcast and I'm not a a political person. I don't really care too much for politics. Um, The riots, you seem like you mentioned a couple times before you were there that transpired on January 6th. Uh, What was it like shooting? Were you actually there to shoot? Yeah, so so I was actually standing on the steps of the Capitol when the uh, the insurrection happened. Yeah, yeah. It man, it was weird. Like that that whole day was weird. I uh, I worked all day that day. You know, I'm not political either, and and I'm also not not necessarily a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. Like, like I'm just a dude who, mm-hmm. you know, who has a camera and goes to work and has a family and whatever. Yeah. The you know, disclaimers I, are set. So there we go. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I pay taxes and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, but that whole day was kind of weird. It was like everybody knew something was cooking 
and uh, and I got off work and I took the metro. Actually, I took the metro from where I was working that day, and I popped up at the mall, and and I met up with a friend, uh, and and we walked to the Capitol, and. I never felt unsafe that day. Uh, there was definitely a tension in the air, and I got—I uh, won't say I got tear gassed, but I, <laughs> but my eyes burned a couple times. Like they were dropping tear gas all around us. Um, and, and I kept getting these phone calls from my family because, like, everybody in my family knows how crazy I am, and so they were all like, I "Hope you're not at the Capitol. I hope you're not at the Capitol." And like, I'm getting these phone calls that's like, "I'm standing on the Capitol steps, <laughs> like, like everything's fine," you know. And uh, and and so then things. Then I got the notification that they had uh, uh, initiated or implemented the curfew. And that you know you you had to be off the streets by six, or or they were going to arrest you and stuff. And I had to get all the way back to my car, and and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to make the the call. I'm I'm going to pack it up and I'm going to go home. Um, I did get some photos of the guys climbing the walls. I got a couple pictures of uh, of some of the guys that got hurt. It man, it was just weird, you know. I I was at 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 all of those. Uh, or, or I shouldn't say all of them. I was at most of the Trump rallies. I I was at uh, a lot of the political rallies that that went on last year, and yeah, it's just a, it, it's a different kind of shooting. Um, I I only felt unsafe one time where I was approached by, uh, you know, like you said, it's not a political podcast. So, yeah. so I was approached by a certain group of people who were associated with a certain campaign and they accused me of being a part of another group and they kind of like formed like a circle around me. And I, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I kind of like for a minute, I might, I kind of found acceptance with, all right, you know, I'm about to get my ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then it just kind of deescalated and, and, and kind of worked itself out. Well, that's a good uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah. It worked out. But, uh, but other than that, you know, that uh, it's just it's just a different kind of shooting. Have you ever shot at like a protest or a political rally or anything like uh, that? No, sir. Unfortunately, uh, my rules and regulations in the military being stationed uh, overseas, uh, we are not allowed to uh, be in the vicinity of protest overseas. Uh, uh, if I was okay. in the States, uh, we are allowed okay. to you just can't do it in uniform. Um, okay. But uh, I would say you say it's weird, but I you captured history. That's a moment oh, yeah, where man. I'm not going to lie. I wish I would have had an opportunity to been where you were at uh, taking photographs. Um, but at least you were there. You can say you've done it. You got something that I don't have on my my <laughs> my score sheet. So <laughs> congratulations. Well, so, so I will say uh, I will say one of the coolest things about shooting those things is that there's so many people there that like you can literally like walk around and put your camera right in people's faces and and take pictures mm-hmm. and like no it's not like you know people aren't like hey man did you just take my picture like nobody cares like yeah. like there's so there's so many people there's so much going on that it's like a photographer's dream you can just walk around and just snap away it's uh yeah it's kind of crazy 
yeah, I've got hundreds of pictures from from the rallies and, nice. and from all that stuff. Yeah. Nice. Oh, uh, I, again, my thoughts always come back to me at the the West time. So when I asked you earlier about um, where you wanted to shoot in the world, I will say if you – I'm a travel for street photographer, I guess, because I, I travel a lot. Um, n- don't go with the, the mentality that every location is going to be the same. So, I, again, you um, probably heard me say it before is like when I was shot in London – that street photography experience is way different from shooting in Tokyo and Tokyo is different from shooting in London, shooting in Okinawa. So, uh, don't, whenever you do, whenever you travel, just try to keep a clear mind. It'll help you out so much. You you won't get agitated, you know, upset. Like, man, I didn't get the photo I wanted. Those moments are really hard to find if you're unfamiliar with the new, the location you're at. So, um, that's, that was just some advice for me to give you if you do travel to one of your locations. Uh, just go clear-headed, and once you're in your, your rhythm and you know your rhythm, they just the, the photo opportunities, they just stop popping up. So, uh, that's just some advice on yeah, traveling yeah. experiences. Because I, I used to beat myself up like, oh, man, I'm going, going to Liverpool. What's Liverpool got? And I get there, and then like the first two, three hours, I'm like, taking pictures of still life and i'm like i don't like taking pictures of still life now i do because it's well it's how i capture them i don't really post too much still lifes but i like to capture this is what this location looked like at this time um but yeah so don't beat yourself up over it there's days where i've shot and i got nothing there's days where you get one photo so you know photography is a number game you'll shoot a million photos and still not get one good photo so um, yeah, it's a lottery, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so I've, I've asked my questions. You have any questions? Um, feedback, anything like that? I'd like to improve, make myself better. So, where's your favorite place to shoot? I'm curious because you've been a lot more places than I have. Uh, my favorite place to shoot by far is London, that that I've been to recently. Uh, I've shot in Germany. I was really skeptical about shooting in Germany uh, because. The photography laws there are really, really strict. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, if I take a picture of you, if we're in Germany and say you're a German, um, a German national, and I take your photo, and you don't approve of me taking your photo, you could have me arrested. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, uh, I was also reading. Um, if me and you are talking in like texting. And I send you a photo of somebody else, they could have me arrested and sued because I didn't. Yeah. So the laws in Germany. Yeah. I, I don't know too many, but uh, when I travel, I like to make sure I'm not breaking any of the country, host country's law. So um, but I got to, a point, you know, in a comfortable state where I was I wasn't taking uncomfortable photos. Um, it took me a little while, but Frankfurt, Germany is, is really good, fun place to shoot. Um, I've shot a little in Berlin. I was really, I had mixed feelings about Berlin. It was really weird. You, you definitely don't forget <laughs> communists, <laughs> like the whole city. Um, mm-hmm. That that whole feel is still there. But I wasn't there long enough to, to know. Um, definitely London and Tokyo. London being number one, Tokyo number two for places, favorite places to shoot. Um, Tokyo just because it's, it's a large city and 
it's it's kind of like a maze maze within the maze and if you find the good portions of the maze and you'll find the not so commercial feels it's very cultural in Tokyo I love Tokyo um, right but for me I like to capture like candid moments uh, and the the people there that's why I like shooting in London is because they're more free will free spirit and they interact with people differently uh, and in Tokyo they're very respectful so you just get a lot of people walking around but it's more of the the looks of Tokyo with the people so definitely London London would be number one yeah gotcha gotcha yeah, and and I guess when you ask me, I I immediately thought about places in the United States. It's that, like I I would absolutely love to go to London. I'd love to go to to Germany. You know, I'd love to travel all over Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, there I want to go everywhere. You know, I'm, I'm, it's kind of like you said. Don't don't discount the the no name places that that aren't famous that nobody's ever heard of. You know, like there are photographic opportunities everywhere. Um, and sometimes I think that those no name places are better because you don't fall into the traps, you know, I mean, like when, when, and and I'm guilty of it myself. Like when I think about New York, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I want to go down under the Manhattan bridge, you know, and get that shot that, you know, and, and, and then you get it and you're like, as sweet, it looks just like, you know, 800 other pictures, you know, that, that other people have taken. Cliche um, photos. But you got to take it because you're like, well, I took that same photo. <laughs> yeah, you got to take it. I don't but, have to show you that I took it, but right, it's in exactly. my photo bank. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I think no-name places are great, you know. And sometimes they have the best stories, mm-hmm. you know. Great, great. So, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Any other questions? Um I so, pretty much asked what I needed to, and uh, in, in yeah. portion wise. But go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so I got one more question for you, and and I'm curious that uh, what does because I think about this all the time. What does street photography mean to you? Ooh, it's funny you say that. Um, when I was shooting Fuji film, I got hosted on a uh, editorial. It's called Fuji X Passion. So I wrote a few articles there. Um, for me, street photography is capturing uh, moments that are right in front of you that you, you typically don't see, like showing people the un, the unknown, the unseen. You know, uh, like again, like there's so many times that I'm walking with somebody shooting street photography, and I see a moment, I take a picture, and I'm like, oh, what did you take a picture of? And I show them, like, I didn't even see that. You know, yeah. so so showing the unknown, the known, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Showing people the different part of life that exists right in front of us, but they don't, they're unaware of. Uh, so that's w- what I like to do, and, and, and that was something I've, I've heard so much, and and I connected to that because I'm like, how did you not see it? It's like literally right in front of you. People, they don't pay attention. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to challenge you the same question. It's a good question. It's the first time, it's the first time I've ever been asked that. So 
I'm going to write that down. What does street photography mean to you? That's the question I'm going to ask now. Sorry, I'm still in so, that. So, yeah, right? Because like like myself, like, like the photo I took this morning uh, was in front of the Washington Monument. You know, I got there. I wanted to see the sunrise. And the sunrise was kind of lackluster. And so it's just kind of hanging out. And then I saw uh, I saw these four people on bikes approach, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna be good," you know. And, and I waited until they were like kind of a symmetrical frame right in front of the Washington Monument, and, and, and I took the picture. And then I'm like, you know, is that a landscape photo or is that street photography or like what is it? And and I think I think my best definition is that street photography is is the things that happen like candid moments outside, you know, or, or, or inside just, just unplanned photography, Mm -hmm. right? Just, just, just capturing everyday life, whether it's in somebody's kitchen or, or it's on the street or it's in a restaurant or like you said, maybe it's on someone's farm or, or something. It's just, it's just people doing what they do when nobody else is looking. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do yeah. like it, seeing it. And I did see that. Um, fishing, that's first yeah. technique, because you say you don't like to stay in one spot. Well, you were fishing right there. I and was, then yeah, I was fishing. Everyone heard Henry Cartier Brisson's famous quote, the decisive moment. You waited for that moment where they were, and you took it. Yep. So, two yep. very valuable techniques in one. 10 second span of a podcast. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. We I got like it. it. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Is there anything else, sir? No, no, man. It's uh, It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. I, I feel like we could probably go on for hours. Yes, uh, I. we definitely can. Unfortunately, uh, I'm sure you got commitments with your family. I don't want to keep you too much. And I got stuff I need to start doing as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I would like to... You would, you're definitely a guest on my show anytime. Just reach out and we'll talk about just whatever. It doesn't we already did this portion? So next time we'll just yeah. be free chatting. Uh, don't mind. Yeah, awesome. Uh, what I would like to set up, I'll, I'll reach out to my friends, but uh, if they're listening, like a little group call so we can all contribute different ideas and conversations. Like, well, you know, shooting this and this doesn't necessarily that that kind of that would be fun. Um, we'll definitely reach out and make something happen. Uh, Absolutely. But thank you for participating in this. It's not as hard as you thought it was. See? No, I was super nervous, man. Yeah, no, but no you're need. an easy person to talk to. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I used to do a radio show with a friend of mine in England. So it's, it's you know, that once that nervous is gone, you can just talk. Especially when you have something to talk about that you're passionate about, like photography and like us. Right. You could talk all day, uh, but unfortunately, we don't have the time for that on this podcast. So once again, thank you. This is Mr. Craig Clark on Instagram, Craig underscore underscore Clark, correct? Yeah. Check yep. him out. Like his photos. Uh, and this, again, is not a social media promoter podcast. This is just so you can see his images. Uh, and we are also not political. So no one from... Any of the protests paid us to do this portion of the podcast. Disclaimer once again, just because. Uh, still love the photos of the Jordans. 
Great show. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Thanks. Yep. Uh, and then I'll keep in touch. Uh, Absolutely. Any, any last words? No, no. Just thank you again for having me on, man. Of it's been course. a complete honor. I appreciate it, sir. Uh, uh, yeah. So, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great day.